Now, three plus months into the coronavirus epidemic, is it possible that there's some beauty in the slowing down? That's what we're talking about today on Dr. Susan. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan. And today we're talking about whether there is some beauty in all of this slowing down caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Like every time we start, I always like to start with just a moment of presencing, becoming present together. And since this is a show about slowing down, I might spend just a minute longer with you on this since we've had a little bit of practice already. So if you're in a space where you're able to do this with me, just become present by noticing your body in your chair, perhaps your feet are on the ground, you can close your eyes or keep them open, whatever suits you. But just try to leave the past behind you and future worries outside of our current moment. And let's just come together here in presence so we can talk about this really interesting time that we're in. While we're talking about slowing down, just to slow our own bodies down, it's actually physiologically and medically true that deep breathing slows our heart rate and our blood pressure and lowers those stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline that cause us to want to fight or flee. So just a couple more deep breaths together and then we'll be ready to be present and talk about this really interesting topic. So just coming back together. Hi everyone, welcome back. I was thinking the other day about this 1960s musical called Stop the World, I Wanna Get Off. I actually never saw it, I was, uh, that was, came out before I was born, but I remember as a, a young child seeing that as a bumper sticker. And I just had a thought that whoever came up with that idea might be pretty pleased with the speed of the world right now. Uh, things have really slowed down. And I personally have been using this opportunity to see what good can come out of that. And I think it's an amazing perspective if we can delve into it a little bit together. I don't know about you, but I've been really worried for a long time about what's going on in the world. I've been worried for myself and my kids uh, with this rapid consumerism and pollution and environmental damage and population growth and just everything seems to be spinning out of control. I didn't know how it was gonna stop. I was scared for my kids. I was scared for myself, my grandkids, the plants, the animals, hearing more about climate change, but we didn't do anything to stop it. I mean, even myself, I, I, I am no different. I have four cars in my family. I drive an SUV. And somehow I thought that I could mitigate all that damage by being a vegetarian and being really, really gung-ho about recycling. So I found that rationalized it for me, but still I take airplane rides, which create a lot of pollution. I, I make tons of trash. I'm, I'm a consumer. Just like all of us, I get Amazon boxes delivered every day. I knew something was wrong, but I wasn't willing to do what 
I needed to do to make a change. I wondered what would happen that would make it bad enough that we would have to make a change. Some part of me knew that this had to change. I think all of us knew that it had to change. There have been lots of predictions that have been out there that the planet's going to implode and the human race will disappear within 100 or 200 years if we kept going at this pace. And we've all read this stuff. Most of us, like me, have sort of put it out of our minds. Um, we've tried not to talk about it in front of our children. We've tried to pretend it doesn't exist. For me personally, I didn't want to give up the things that I'd have to give up in order to have that kind of lifestyle. But I knew something was going to happen. I wondered, was it going to be a nuclear war? Was it going to be just more climate change to the point that we couldn't ignore it so that all of our plants and animals were dying? Was it going to be some other kind of disaster? You know what I didn't think about, which is ironic because I'm a doctor? I didn't think about a pandemic. It didn't cross my mind. Um, obviously, a lot of other people did. I bet, like many of you, in the past month, I've watched uh, Pandemic. I've watched uh, Contagion. I've watched Outbreak. I've been uh, fascinated by the fact that many, many people thought about the possibility that a pandemic could be an end-of-the-world type of apocalyptic situation. Now, uh, luckily, with this particular pandemic, we're not facing an apocalypse. Um, I think we were lucky that we were hit with a pandemic that seems to have a lower death rate than we originally predicted, something hopefully like 1%, but still, something that has caused the world to stop. This is the only time in recorded history that the entire world has slowed down at the same time. And for me, that's been such an amazing concept that at any time, the whole world could all do the same thing. And that for most of us, we're agreeing to do these things and people are doing for the most part what they're told and obeying the uh, recommendations for social distancing. And, and that to me feels extraordinarily connecting. In every other case I can think of when I have a personal problem or even when other people in my socioeconomic status have a problem, or even if anyone in my country has a problem, if we're in a war with another country, or you name it, there's just a small number of us that are affected. It's maybe a problem that's happening in Africa, or it's something that they're having fires in Australia, or maybe there's something going on in Italy, but it doesn't really affect us. But here we are, where we have a pandemic that is literally affecting every single country in the world. I didn't check this morning, but I think that we now have cases in every country in the world. It's unprecedented. So what do we do with this information and how can we make something positive out of it without casting a silver lining? This is a disaster, you know, beyond imaginable proportions for the economy, for people's health, for so many things. But is there a message in there that we can find that can cause us to transform once and for all. You know, I read an article that was sent to me by a friend. Um, I hope I don't mess up the name. I believe the author's name was uh, Azra Beckham. I'm going to put that in the titles below to make sure I get it correct. Uh, but she introduced this idea, which I thought was so fascinating, about the hungry caterpillar. Now, we all 
probably remember the 1960s book about the hungry, hungry caterpillar. I, I read it growing up. I uh, read it to my kids. I've still got it at home. As we remember, the hungry, hungry caterpillar ate and ate and ate and ate and pages get turned and he's still eating and eating and eating and he got really, really fat. And then he was put in a cocoon and lo and behold, it's sometime later he emerged as a butterfly. And that's a, a beautiful metaphor that's been used ever since the book was written in so many ways. But the way it was discussed in this context really hit me, uh, really hit me in my heart. Let me see if I can explain in a way that makes sense. My dad was a very, very wise uh, Buddhist teacher. He was a spiritual teacher in his later years. And when I was a kid, he often used to say that you can't push, na push nature too far because nature will push back. I did not understand what he was saying, but like a lot of other things that he told me and hopefully things that I tell my kids, later as an adult, I'll remember them. So when I remember him saying, you can't push nature too far because nature will push back, that introduced this whole idea to me of balance. Uh, some people call it karma um, or balance, which is that it, this is a law. It's a, you know, a law of physics. It's not an idea. It's not a belief. It's not a faith. But it's a law that actions have consequences. So when I talk about karma in uh, the sense that I'm discussing it, I'm not talking about what we sometimes um, discuss in the West, which is like karma is you do something bad, you're going to get struck by lightning or... Um, yeah, if you're a bad person, bad things will happen to you. It, it's not like that. There's no uh, man in the sky who's uh, causing karma to happen. It's just nature's way that things balance out. When you push too far in one direction, things balance out in the other direction. So in the concept of karma in the situation that we're in, the idea that I'm resonating with is that Nature has been pushed too far, and perhaps nature is giving us an opportunity to make a correction in an unprecedented way. We've never had an opportunity before to slow down, and even in this few months that we've slowed down, we've seen how nature has come back. We've all seen those stories about dolphins swimming in Venice and the skies clearing up in China. The sky is clear here in Houston. I'm driving down Houston freeways that are usually, you know, six cars thick and, and chock-a-block with almost standstill traffic, and, and there are no cars on the road. I haven't filled my own car with gas for a month. So oil uh, production is down, which is terrible for the economy, and it's heartbreaking that many people are losing their jobs over that, but on a different scale, the universal uh, reduction in use of oil is helping pollution. This might be what is the answer to climate change. This might be the answer to what is the potential extinction of thousands of species of animals. This might be the way that we finally realize that in slowing down, we have some space to come up with a better solution. What we were doing 
I think all of us can agree, with the exception of some very delusional people who are, uh, some of whom are in charge of our country, no one with any sense can argue that the current trajectory of consumerism in the Western world could be a long-term proposition for prosperity or even survival. Yet none of us have had the courage, including myself, to do what it took to cause it to stop. We all know it's happening. I mean, how many uh, international summits on climate change have we been to? How many movies have been made about it? How many articles have been written? How many pictures of sweet little animals that are about to go extinct have been put out there? We, we all know about it, but none of us want to give up, up our big cars, including me. I'm guilty. None of us want to give up our driving to work alone and use public transport. None of us want to walk around. None of us want to get smaller houses and give up eating animals, which is, uh, by the way, one of the most major causes of climate change is animal uh, agriculture. Many of us don't want to do that, but maybe now we have to. Uh, who could ever tell us that we have to? Uh, humans are so, including myself, we're, we're so smart. We're so individualistic. And I think we've gotten to a point where we have lost touch with the fact that we actually are part of nature. And I can tell you that many people have completely lost touch with the fact that we're part of nature. Many of us don't ever put our feet on the ground. When I think about the millions and billions of people who live in the sky in concrete buildings and walk on concrete and may have never seen a tree or, or rarely seen a tree or played in the grass or looked up at the blue sky or seen the stars because they don't live in that situation anymore and their world is largely on a screen. And I'm talking about not only the younger generation, but also many adults. Uh, naturally, we've lost the heart understanding that we are deeply connected with nature. So it's not a nature versus human war, which seems to be kind of the way the Western world has set things up, that we're pushing nature as far as we can, squeezing the planet as much as we can to see what we can get out of her without understanding that we actually are nature. We are animals too, living on this little tiny blue planet flying through space. And you know, these beautiful pictures that astronauts took from space showing our beautiful blue planet makes it impossible to forget that there are really no borders separating us. When we pollute the ocean, there's not a, a line that prevents that from, from affecting everybody else. Everything that we do to our planet affects us. So when we squeeze nature, we're squeezing ourselves. And I think we're finally sitting in an opportunity to understand that. So going back to the hungry caterpillar, the idea that was brought up in this beautiful article, which I'll um, make sure that I uh, acknowledge the author properly um, during this uh, chat, uh, is that nature has put us in a time out. And I love that idea. 
Now, I, I don't have enough mystical belief to say that nature is a person who has come down and put us in a timeout, but it's, it's just one of those karma things. It's just what happens. When you push nature far enough, nature pushes back. And in this case, we've been put in a timeout. It could have been by a nuclear war. It could have been by a massive climate change event. But in this case, it was by a virus. Did nature create the virus on purpose to cause this to happen? Of course not. But these are just things that happen naturally when we push too far in a direction that is harming nature. Things just swing back the other way. And we see that all the time in, in any field that when you push this way, it swings back the other way. So here's my story about how this happened. I think I'm gonna write a short story about it, but I'll give you the gist of it. Humans have been acting like hungry caterpillars since the Industrial Revolution probably, but certainly uh, in the last hundred years at a really rapid pace. We've been eating and consuming and buying and polluting and without end, uh, trashing our planet and continuing to um, behave in this manner that's made us into gigantic fat caterpillars. Now, uh, using this metaphor, we've been uh, involuntarily put into a resting state. So let's call it a cocoon. We're all at rest. We can't consume as much anymore. We have to slow down. We didn't want to, but we have to. So in this cocoon, in this period of time that we've been forced to slow down, I don't know if caterpillars want to go in a cocoon. They don't get to choose. Mother Nature puts them there, and this is what's happened to us. Without our choice, we've been put in a cocoon. We have a momentous decision to make about what to do while we're in this cocoon. I have a lot of friends and colleagues who have used this time in the most beautiful, creative way. I can say for myself, during this time out that nature put me in, I've become way more creative with my mind slowing down from not buzzing from one element of work to the next and, and, and running around in my car and answering text messages at the red lights and just con continuously being in a state of frenzy with this rust that's been enforced upon me because I didn't, wouldn't choose it myself. My mind's been able to slow down. I've been able to be much more creative, much more thoughtful. I've been able to write. My children are doing art. I haven't seen my kids paint in years and they are painting for fun. They're not watching television. Um, they're creating games. Um, people are writing poetry. Uh, there's massive amounts of amazing writing and art that's coming out of this space. And mostly I think many of us are thinking about what part of this experience can we carry forward once the uh, social distancing rules are lifted? Butterflies or caterpillars come out of a cocoon in various ways. And I remember as a kid, we would um, 
we would grow uh, monarch butterflies. We'd get the milkweed and then we'd watch the caterpillars turn into the chrysalis or the cocoon and then we'd watch them um, eventually hatch out as butterflies and, and not all of them did very well. In fact, some of them didn't come out at all. Uh, they withered in the cocoon. Others came out too early and their wings were not fully developed and, uh, and they died. And then a small number came out of the cocoon and, and flourished. So the, there isn't one way that this could go, uh, but different than regular caterpillars, we have consciousness, so we can make a choice. And for myself personally and for my family, I'm spending a lot of time sitting still and contemplating or considering how I can transfer some of this new stillness and peace into what might happen when these social distancing rules are released. Are we going to rush back to exactly the way we were doing things before? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, personally, I think this is going to go on a lot longer than some people suggest, but I kind of hope that it does. <laughs> if we were to go back to business as usual next week, probably we would go back to the same harmful patterns that would ultimately destroy the planet. If we have enough time, and I don't know how much time that is, maybe six months, maybe a year, my hope, my belief is that a large number of people are going to really have time to transform their ideas about the way we want to live going forward. To me, it feels like a incredible opportunity. It's the first one we've ever been given. If, if we don't succeed on this one, I believe nature will give us another one that'll be a whole lot worse. Maybe this is just a practice. Um, and I don't want to be pessimistic, but since this is a natural force, it's going to happen again. So what can we learn from this that we can carry forward? Is there a way that we can take our um, reduced consumption, for example. I am no different. <laughs> Every day at my house prior to the pandemic, I got two or three boxes from Amazon. We ordered everything online. Um, I consumed at enormous rates. Um, now, do I still order from Amazon? Yes, but that's been cut down by about 90%, I would say. Um, my driving has been reduced by about 90%. I'm doing a lot more walking. Um, I'm doing a lot more interacting with people too. Even though we're not able to get together personally, I have interacted with way more friends in the past few weeks by Zoom or other um, social media platforms or what have you. So people are connecting. I'm seeing a lot of my neighbors outside, which is beautiful, uh, sitting, drinking wine in folding chairs on their side of the street with their family and conversing with a similar family sitting in their folding chairs on the other side of the street. Um, now in my neighborhood, we never do that. People don't go outside. We're working all the time. We drive our cars in the garage and shut the door and we don't see each other much. So there's, there's so many beautiful things that can come out of this slowing down if we 
pay attention to them and look for them. And the key is going to be that we integrate them into our lives going forward. Many of us have been able to work at home. Uh, maybe we'll be able to continue to do that more. In my field in uh, medicine, we've converted almost all of our visits to telemedicine, which has been terrific. Now, some patients do need to be seen in person, but if you think about if, say, 50% of physicians converted their visits to telemedicine, how much gasoline that would save, how much pollution that would save, how much time that would save, how much money that would save. There's a lot of technologies that have come out of this that can be incredibly beneficial for us going forward. So I am hesitant to put a silver lining around this thing. It's a disaster beyond measure. But I have hope that it could be, and, and I want you to really think about this and see if you believe it, this could be what saves our planet. It's possible. If it's not this, it'll be something else like this. So my invitation is to consider what this slowing down has done that's positive for you. Many of us are panicking, and I understand why. I, I have lost half my income. Uh, I do surgery. Can't do surgery anymore. Um, you know, there's a lot, lot of ways that we could spin this negatively. But one thing that I have learned is that we can choose what we pay attention to. And I think that's one of the most important skills that I've ever learned. I could choose to pay attention to all of the uh, negative consequences that are coming from this, uh, financial or relational. It's, it, you know, we talked with Mary Jo Rapini last week about how families are struggling with being at home together. And I could focus on that, but I'll tell you something that happened this weekend that has never happened in my family before. I got all three of my teenagers to do a silly dance video with me together. And, and I could never get my three teenagers to ever do anything with me. I'm the, you know, the last person in the world they want to interact with, obviously, because they're you know, 15 and almost 17. But this has brought our family together in a really unique way so that we're, we're riding bikes together. We're actually interacting way more now than we did before. Uh, so just bringing you back around to that hungry caterpillar idea, um, we're in a timeout. We're in a cocoon. And when I think about myself being a cocoon, I'm a unique kind of caterpillar that has consciousness and I can choose what to do. So I invite you to sit, sit still, think, consider, look at the sky, notice the lack of pollution, pay attention to the news that you're reading about nature coming back. You know, even after a few months, nature is coming back. And you know what that means? That means we are coming back because we are nature. We are nature. We're animals. We're living on this planet. If nature is coming back, we are coming back. And, you know, we, I, for one, would love the human race to survive. I think we're pretty amazing. And I want my children and grandchildren to have 
a safe place to live. So I'll just end this with a quote. I'm going to misquote him. Albert Einstein said something like, you cannot solve a problem with the logic that created the problem. We've got to solve this problem of climate change, overconsumption, too much trash, you name it, with a new solution that I think we can find in this space. Because in this space, this quiet time, we have the room to be creative and come up with some different solutions. And my last little plug is if you haven't seen the movie WALL-E, which came out in 2008, you know, Pixar children's movie, watch it, put it on your list. After you've watched Contagion and all the other end of the world movies, WALL-E moved me more than any other movie I've ever seen in my life. And I saw it back in 2008 because it represented everything that I was afraid of that might happen to the world if we didn't make a change. I think it was an absolutely brilliant movie and it won an Academy Award. Afterwards, I thought everybody was going to change the world because Wally was so scary about what might happen if we didn't. So nothing happened. Everybody went back to normal business as usual. But let's watch it again. You can watch it with your kids. It's a Pixar animated movie. We can have a future like the future shown in Wally, or we can have a future like what we're seeing now, where the grass is starting to grow again, the animals are starting to come back, the air is starting to clear. And when we're released from social isolation, let's not go back to how things were before. Let's not go back to how things were before. Let's try to keep a piece of this with us so that we can continue to take care of our planet and remember that we are nature. And we can do this together. This is nature hitting upside the head saying, it's time, she's giving us an opportunity. So think about that. Uh, I actually wrote a blog post about it with a little bit more detail that you might wanna look at as well. Something I feel really passionate about. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. Um, you can connect with me on drsusan.com or at my office, completewomenscarecenter.com. Shoot me some ideas. I'd love to talk about it. And I'll see you next week here on Dr. Susan. Thank you.